Welcome. This is Attitudes of Sexual Integrity, episode 119. My name is Russ Shaw. I have a guest with me today, Justin Holcomb, who co-authored the book, Rid of My Disgrace. We'll be talking about the intense and deep subject of sexual assault. This is Metallica. And as usual, if you want to download any of the music on the podcast, you can go to ASI247.org, click on the music tab, and all the songs are available in their entirety. That song, that song uh, resonates with my soul. Uh, Unforgiven by Metallica. I couldn't think of any better intro music for this book. Um, welcome, Justin. Uh, rid of my disgrace. I'm here to talk about the book um, and in the context of the Eighth Commandment. First of all, um, you co-authored this book with your wife, right? I sure did. Yeah, and thank you for thank you for even letting me have this opportunity to talk about this book and especially with you and the people who follow you. This is a huge opportunity and a privilege. And so yeah, we, we wrote the book together. Um, my wife was and still does teaching and training for sexual assault um, issues. So she, she counsels sexual assault victims and she also serves and trains pastors and, and other care providers in caring and serving sexual assault victims. She previously was a case manager at a sexual assault crisis center and a case manager at a domestic violence shelter. And, and many women who have been um, victims of domestic violence were also sexually assaulted by their, their partner, husband, boyfriend. And so sexual assault is an issue that she's uh, served in and cared about for, for years. She has a a master's in international public health on sexual violence and so she both as a practitioner and a counselor and as a researcher this was a, a topic that's really important to her and <clears throat> I've been a seminary professor for 10 years been doing ministry for 20 and been a pastor for nearly 10 years and so from just pastoral experience I had seen the effects of sexual assault and the damage and disgrace that it's done to people and then also as a college professor, I, I, I uh, taught at Emory and the University of Virginia, just the, the number of college students who didn't have anyone to talk to and right. ended up trusting their professor. They'd, they'd come talk to me and just seeing just the how many and how devastating it was has gotten my attention. And so we, we worked on it together from our different perspectives, and we actually started uh, reading books on this topic while we were dating because I, I liked her, and uh -huh. this was her topic, so I started studying even more. And then uh, out came 
how came the book after we got married and, and had an opportunity and were invited to write it. Wow. So it sounds like this has been years in the making. It has, it has been, yeah. Wow, that is awesome. You've also taught at uh, Reformed Theological Seminary, I understand. Yes. I love that. That's part of the uh, the influence for these shows is uh, me being influenced by John Frame there at uh, Reformed Theological Seminary, his talk on uh, social and pastoral ethics. Um, you taught sociology as well, right? Sure did. Yeah, I taught... I still teach uh, theology at, at Reform Seminary, uh, Reform Theological. I went there in 95 to 97 oh, wow. and then started teaching in 2000 and since then. Just kind of go go teach for them once or twice a year. And then for the past seven years, up until 2009, I was teaching at the University of Virginia in the Sociology Department, the Women's Studies Department, and the Religious Studies Department. Wow. And so I, I'm, uh, I'm the nerd on the co-authoring <laughs> team. And right. uh, so that's... That's what I'm bringing to the table on this. That's good. That's good stuff, man. I uh, I played that intro music at the beginning of the show and uh, talking about how that, you know, that, that line in that lyric, that, through constant pain and disgrace, the young boy learns their rules. Um, now, in the context of the Eighth Commandment, that shall not, thou shall not steal, um, how would you define sexual assault? In the context of that uh, commandment, I would say it is stealing the peace, um, the sense of integrity, joy, mm -hmm. safety, and all the benefits of being a creature of God from someone else. Because right. um, the, the way we were made, the way we were created as images of God, reflecting His goodness and glory, um, that He that He would look at us and say, "You." are my images of God. And and then what was supposed to happen was peace and union with Adam and Eve. And the whole idea in, in Hebrew, the word's shalom, but it just means original, overbounding, amazing peace and harmony and unity and justice and all these wonderful things. And then when sin breaks in, sin fractures the relationship between humans and God and humans and each other. I mean, after after the entrance of sin into the world... The, the rest of Genesis is just a, a list of tragedies of violence. And so right. the big idea is that violence is violence against each other, but also violence against God. It's, it's sin doesn't like the reflection of the image of God in someone else. And so in the I think it's a great question that it's stealing the, the rightful, inherent um, dignity that is due to everyone because they're the image of God. And what you're doing is you're trying... The sexual assault is tarnishing or trying to tarnish and disgrace and smudge the reflection of, of God, the, the image of God, um, and all the benefits that come with that. We have the inherent dignity as images of God with... Um, it, it, it steals um, the joy in relating to God because people feel dirty and filthy, like they can't go to God. So it tries to block that with their relationship with God in the union and peace and harmony and worship and, and, and being accepted by God because of the right. work of Jesus. And, and then it, it fractures um, relationships um, from parent, child, friends, spouses, just all those relationships. But also, personally, for the victim, it steals, it steals all the things that go with being a creature of God who's loved by God and someone that Jesus died for. And right. so all of that. So I think stealing is a really good category. Um, the, the definition that we use in the book is that sexual assault is any type of sexual behavior or contact 
where consent is not freely given or obtained. And that can be accomplished through force, coercion, manipulation, physical force, emotional force. There's a lot of different ways you can actually um, um, assault or, or not use consent. It's not just a weapon by a stranger. It's usually someone that the victim knows 80% of the time. And it's behavior or contact. It's not always contact. There's certain kinds of behavior that you can you can force a young boy to do something without physically forcing him right, by, yeah. by using your authority against them, by coercion, by threat, by manipulation. And so, yeah. um, but I, I had not thought of the angle of how stealing plays into that, and uh, that's really helpful for, for me, and I'll go talk to my wife about this, too. Right. Theft. Yeah. Um, and I can totally relate to that, and I love how you went into just starting out with the theology. As part, Pastor Mark would say, the theology under the psychology. I remember as a kid being taken to, uh, you know, counselors and psychotherapists and people trying to figure out, you know, what was wrong with me. And I never confessed this thing out until I was 35 years old. Um, the fact that I had been sexually assaulted, I didn't even see it as that. Because like you say, I was kind of groomed into it, right? Like it was, like you say, acceptance. I was accepted into this, you know, this guy and this relationship and not realizing throughout my life as I grew up that I had shut myself off to God, that I had kept this little shameful thing in, in the closet, in the corner for so long that uh, it was just eaten away at me for years. Um, and, and this is not this is not an isolated case, right? I mean, how many how prevalent is this today? I mean, how many women, how many men, how many children today are are affected? Yeah, um, and I want to dive in specifically to men because you really put the ball on the tee for us to talk about that and, and right. how shame and how prevalent that is, how your experience is. Um, I have a similar experience um, with a, a distant family member. So, I mean, the prevalence is. It's way more than people think. Everyone thinks that this is a women's issue because it's rape and, and sexual assault just gets discussed by women and, and they're the ones who are more open about it. And so uh -huh. everyone thinks that that's the case. But So it's one in four women are or will be victims of sexual assault in their lifetime. One in six men. Right. About 10% of children have experienced incest. That's not just sexual assault. That's that's incest within the family, 10%, 10 to 14% of marriages have instances of sexual assault. The numbers on who's, who's the, the, the most vulnerable are children from 12 to 19 years old. <clears throat> Some of the numbers are actually shocking. 15% of sexual assault victims are under 12. 30% are between the ages of 12 and 17. And 80% are under 30. And so what that means is there's a bunch of children who are actually the ones who were assaulted. And then, yeah, there are there are some who are 90 in nursing homes. I mean, there have been oh, right. stories in the news about that. And then, so, I mean, the, 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 it runs the gamut from the youngest that my wife has heard was three months old. Mm -hmm. um, three month old to 90 year olds and everywhere in between. But the, the sweet spot of horror is um, children. And then and especially those that have uh, that don't have strong parental oversight and care, who are the parents really defending. My parents were amazing parents, and it wasn't their oversight. It was just evil lurks, and they can't be everywhere all the time. <clears throat> and so, 
So that's the prevalence of, of sexual assault. I mean, it's every two minutes in the United States, someone's sexually assaulted. Man, yeah. that's horrific to be sure. Um, I wanted to go back to uh, some of my story and some of the stories I've heard from listeners. Um, but really going into recovery from sexual addiction, as I've entered into recovery and starting to figure out why I kept doing this thing that I said I wasn't going to do again, right? And that is addiction. Everybody wants to go into these different psychological, you know, um, <laughs> definitions of addiction, but really it's a bad habit. Why do I keep doing I'm not going to do this anymore. Oh crap, I did it again. And then repeating this behavior over and over again, really having to get to the roots of some of our behaviors, but not just our behaviors, but how what is in our heart and how that how I got this way. When I started to dig into that, um, I didn't confess out, like I said, I didn't confess out my my sexual abuse until I was 35 years old. And then when I did, it was kind of like, well, this is just something that happened to me, right? Like, okay, I was sexually abused. Boom, there it is out there on the table. Let's move on. Yeah. Fix me, yeah. <laughs> Mr. Psychotherapist or counselor or something like that. But how... How deep does it go, Justin? As a guy who's who's been through this yourself, what do, what would you say to someone who's struggling over and over again, stuck? Man, I did it again. What is wrong with me? Yeah. Why? Why can't I just be right? There's there's a there's a few things I want to kind of bring into this. Um, one is your story was one of the very first chapter we dealt with on the specific issues was denial or minimizing. Right. So you kind of denied it. And then you minimize it when you finally did bring it to the surface. Right. And what happens is, you know, because we live in a, because we're men and American men, and this is kind of macho. I don't want to be weak or whatever, and I want to be my own little individual. Um, talking about being a victim of something isn't something that sits home with a lot of guys. It feels right. like it's weak or um, it's pitiful, and so we don't want to kind of we don't want to do that. And then, and then if you were assaulted, then the question of does that mean you're gay or, you know, especially, I mean, a physical response to physical sexual touching is, you know, like an erection. Right. And so you have a lot of little boys who think, well, I guess I enjoyed it. And so what happens is, is there's so much confusion on their sexual identity. On, I mean, because they had a physical response to a physical thing that happened, even though it was sinful and sexually violent and, and abusive and assault, um, it, it mixes the evil with a physical pleasure response, and that causes a whole bunch of confusion. We have a stigma of shame in the, in the United States for men and women. That's, it's the most underreported crime there is. Right. There's a reason for that. <clears throat> and then so <clears throat> that's why people would deny or minimize. Exactly. Because it, it creates a little bit of a safe zone. And then what that does, though, is that, that creates this little internal world of it's you and your secret. And then you have this, this, this pain and sin <clears throat> that no one else gets to see. And then this is why in First John it talks about you know walking in the light as he is in the light and and just almost saying the truth about what happened. Not it does, it's not magical. It doesn't make it go away. But you're like, wait a second, like that was huge and important. And I said it to someone and they didn't run away laughing or freaking out and realizing that that person might actually care for you um, is is really helpful. But your question was how far does it go down? Um, it goes down to the core of who we are. We are emotional physical, sexual, spiritual, relational beings. And God made us um, man and woman different for union um, 
and said the two will become one and in in flesh of my flesh like all of that theology is huge because that's part of who we are and so what happens is the very way the very expression of union one of the expressions of union was sexual union between mm-hmm. Adam and Eve that was a picture of harmony and goodness. That's the way God made it. He, he made the nerve endings and he put them where they are on purpose. And so what evil does is take a good thing and try to invert it and tweak it. And so one of the reasons why sexual assault and sexual abuse is so powerful is because it goes to, not that at the core we're sexual beings, but at the core we're relational right. beings. And God connected our souls and bodies and minds together so that, Something that happens physically actually does influence our soul, and it's not separated. We're not dualists. We're, we're not like it's not, it's not like the body doesn't matter, and what you do to the body is irrelevant. Right. Um, like sex is like sharing pizza or yeah, <laughs> or hands. Yeah. 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 And so that's why that's why it lingers so deep. That's what that's how it burrows under. Um, it, that's how it gets down to the level of motivations and right. desires and loves. And people who do things that they say they don't want to do. On one level, they don't want to do it because they realize in the moment of clarity that was destructive, that was self-destructive, that was damaging to everything around me. Right. And I had a momentary jolt of fixation and, and got my fix. But what happens is that they, they really do want that more than they want the other things. And so what happens is, in a sense, people get trained by their by the sin done to them and their, res- their sinful response back to that sin. They kind of train themselves into that mode of existing. Right. Um, Exactly. That's uh, that's kind of like that song, you know, that uh, Unforgiven, deeper than the blues song, you know. Yeah. Um, with time, the child draws in this whipping boy done wrong, depraved of all his thoughts. The young man struggles on and on. He's known a vow to his own that never from the day they will take away. You know, it's part of this short perception span. I talk about in the show. The more I could surface it up, the more I could pretend like everything's cool on the surface, the less I had to to deal with, you know, the pain, the ache of my soul. Yeah. I think that's why this the song and Metallica's music even resonates with so many men, especially. Yeah. Um, but really, touching on that uh, victim mentality. And a lot of that, you hear that a lot today, and we hear it in TV, and we see the shows, and we see the guy who, who, who's the victim, you know. And it's almost, you know, repulsive to a certain extent, the victim mentality. So for me, a lot of years was, I'm not a victim. Come on, Justin. I'm not going to be the victim. Don't call me a victim. You know, I'm a man. I, so I was sexually abused. Big deal. You know, I don't abuse my kids. We should lock all those perverts on an island and let them kill each other. Whatever it was. Just justifying it to, to keep in that short perception span. Yeah. So how do we realize the fact that we are victims, if we are? And what's a healthy way to deal with that? Yeah. Dude, I love the, the short perception Short perception span is that yeah. that yeah. that is a helpful phrase that I'll be using quite a bit. So right. thanks for that one. Uh, how do we realize? I've had a few different ways that people have have realized it. I have I've done counseling with people who they're the way they're responding, and there's certain effects from from being a victim, or even just say being sinned against. Like if people don't like victim language, I'm cool with that. Like right. you can survivor. I mean, some people <laughs> say that. Some people just say I was sinned against. I was violated. I was hurt. Um, so 
I'm not stuck with victim language. Um, I just use it because it really says it, it has a strong it has strong language. I mean, victim right. sounds like like something just happened. It was really intense, and that's what sexual assault is. So, um, but back to the question of realizing, I've had people um, exhibiting like post traumatic stress disorder type of effects. They can't sleep. Um, they can't eat. Uh, relationships are diff- very difficult, and so there's certain effects that that I've noticed. And I've given people the book and just said, "Hey, you know this. I don't know if you have only had any of this in your past, but go through the effects and just go through the checklist and see, and just read it." And and, uh, and they've come back and said, "Hey, I, they figured out by looking at the effects first, and then going, wait a second, yeah, that that's because I I had this experience that's connected to it." Right. It's not. No one's, We're not looking for excuses. We're not looking for like. It's not like if you find the origin, then magically it fixes itself. But it sure is helpful to connect those dots and realize. Yeah. Wait a second. I've never acknowledged that. So I've had some people start with the effects and go back to actually what happened. Uh, I've had some people who I've. Um, they know exactly what happened, and they just haven't talked about it. And they that happened recently, where someone who said, "I this is a secret I was going to take to my grave, but I'm realizing the effects of it in my life, uh, the, the the sense of shame and guilt because I was sinned against as a as a young boy, and then I responded and did the same thing that was done to me, like a year later. So I felt shame and guilt, and no one ever needed to know this. Right. And he just said, I couldn't live like that anymore. So he knew what happened. He just didn't want to say it because he out of fear that someone would shame him. Um, or you know whatever he was afraid of. I've had some people who uh, kind of knew, kind of lurking in the back in their memory that something had happened, but they they I mean, the the human mind's impressive. All right. It, they you know and out of survival, like a little child will actually. I'm not talking about multiple multiple personalities that can happen, but I'm saying it makes sense that they would kind of lock that away as something that happened and just kind of stick it somewhere in the crevice of their mind and kind of just go on. Right. Where they know it's there, but they don't really go there, and, they, and and until they go there, they don't need to worry about it. And so they actually, some people have been encouraged to go back to those lingering memories. And then I've had some, not a lot, but I've had some people who um, they've had dreams or kind of flashbacks in the sense of like, that happened, where they really didn't remember it at all. Right. And it started kind of bubbling up. That was um, my story. Yeah. And that's. That, I didn't really remember stuff until it started bubbling up. And I'm like, you know, what is this? I just falling down in tears. And I was a real mess for a while. And I remembered pieces. There was one event that I remembered in three different pieces. And yeah. when it came together, it was, it, was, it was devastating. But it also freed me up to see that I was victimized and that I had. I had a choice to worship my way out of it or stay locked in it, yeah. you know, to stay with that attitude of the unforgiven or to really, what is, what is, the, what is theology? Yeah. Who is Jesus? What, what is my life about? Who am I, you know? I like to use the analogy of if I walked up to your car with a tire iron and beat the freaking headlights out and smashed in your windows, are you just going to drive your car around and go, I'm not a victim? You know, you'd look yeah. pretty silly. Yeah. You'd probably get pulled over for having a, a destroyed uh, windshield. And that's what this really is about, isn't it? It's taking the blinders off. Yeah. Taking the blindfold off and realizing who we really are. Yep. Um, so why the title, Justin? Rid of my disgrace. Why, why did you guys pick that title? Rid of my disgrace is actually a phrase from the Bible. 
and there was a story in Second Samuel thirteen, chapter thirteen, verse thirteen, is where that line comes from. But in Second Samuel chapter thirteen, Tamar is a woman. She's she's a daughter of the king of Israel, King David, and Absalom, her uh, her brother, assaulted her. And it's actually a story. Um, is this the reason it's there is to depict how how far evil has gone, and and what happens um, when God's not worshipped and and uh, people are doing whatever they want and, and just the creep of violence and, and evil. Um, yeah, and King David, he's supposed to be like varsity religious guy, right? I mean, he's man after God's own heart. That's right. Wrote and, Psalms, most of them. Yep. And, yep. Yeah. And so um, his daughter was assaulted by her brother, which. We pick that one because that's common, the, the knowing your victim, knowing your assailant. Um, and her question after she was assaulted by her brother, he, he assaulted her and said, and then said, get this out of here. And just this language of like, just the way he treated her as object. Get, get this out of here. And then her response to her brother was, who will rid me of my disgrace? And that question, um, we, that, that sticks there because that's a question that was not answered because then what happens was, her father, the king, and her other brother uh, didn't do anything. Um, they were silent. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about the king. Right. The guy who has all the power. Um, so her father and other brother was, were silent. And she just lived in shame. She tore her clothes. And then the things that she did, all, all symbolizing what someone does under the weight of disgrace. And so we're trying to answer the question, who will rid me of my disgrace? And our answer is... Jesus, the 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 perfect life, the death on the cross, and the resurrection is what rids us of our disgrace. And then we spend the rest of the book trying to answer that question because that sounds almost crazy, doesn't it? Like you've had this experience, I've had this experience. You know, all these people have had this experience of disgrace, and so let's pause there too. Disgrace is we use disgrace as the overarching because a lot of things fit under disgrace. So. Disgrace is the big idea of what happens to those who are victims of sexual assault. That includes the shame, the guilt, the physical things of sexually transmitted diseases, um, the the distorted self-identity, despair, bitterness. All of that fits under disgrace. So who will rid me of that mess and burden? And we tell people it's Jesus. And then connecting the dots. And what that looks like is, for specifically, there's, there's six chapters. We looked at six specific issues that are emotional, spiritual, psychological issues. Denial, a distorted identity, shame, guilt, anger, and despair. And go through and explain how the good news or gospel of Jesus, that he lived a perfect life, and then, and, you know, what, what happens if you live a perfect life is blessing, reward, wonder, and great things. And instead of that happening, he died on the cross in our place for our sins, and so that's uh, one of my favorite theologians, Martin Luther, refers to that as the double exchange. You know, we have sinful lives when we've been sinned against, also, and because of our sin, we deserve the we deserve death. And so we get His righteousness, we get His purity is given to us. Um, it's we're we're declared what He was, and and He takes our consequences on the cross, and then we get His consequences for His perfect life. So it's the double exchange. We get right. what He deserves. He gets what we deserve. And we get his purity attributed to us. So, G- so God, if we have faith in Christ, God looks at us and says, you're pure, righteous, holy, blameless, without spot, blemish, or wrinkle. 
Um, right. And I treat Jesus like a sacrifice, and he gets everything that you should have gotten. And then he rises from the dead to conquer evil um, and say that evil's no more. And he says, I will wipe away every tear. Um, you know, the, the resurrection is the starting point saying, everything's new. I'm making everything new right now. And from his resurrection until he comes again, he's in the process of making things new, and then he will make everything new. When he says, no more evil, no more tears, it's all good. Right. And it's, so what, what we're going to do is we want to make that fit with victims in, uh, on those six specific issues. Right, the story of, of redemption. Yeah. It's not about good karma. It's not about you scoring brownie points with God. It's not about um, if I don't watch rated R movies or drink yeah. beer or all the whole list, right? That uh, we are, our sin debt's been paid. God loves us yeah. and has given us redemption. And for all of the, the folks who have emailed and, and all of the folks who, who have this question, how could something so horrible happen, you know, when there's a kind and loving God, we could spend hours on that topic, but really, your book does a great, uh, a great job answering that question. Rid of my disgrace by uh, Justin and Lindsay Holcomb. Um, this can be found on uh, Amazon, right? For about what, twelve bucks? Ten. Ten. They're 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 doing the hookup, uh, so Sweet. it's ten dollars on Amazon. I like it, and I will have a link on the website. Um, ASI247.org I'll have it right there on the, the home page and uh, I thank you for, for joining me today Justin my email address is russ at ASI247.org um, any closing thoughts? Thank, honestly thank you so much because um, especially audience of, of knowing that not that everyone who has dealt with sexual addiction has been Assaulted. I got plenty of friends who, who, uh, who, that's their limp. That's right. that's the thing, and they haven't been assaulted, but a lot have been. And the opportunity to be able to shine some the good news is is a privilege to the people that are listening. Um, you know, the, the Christians who they, the, the Christians in your, in the audience who are listening and thinking, I believe in the Jesus stuff, but it hasn't really touched base with some of the pain from what happened to him and just being able to tell them that that he that God listens and he grieves and he has sorrow and so there's no reason to live in denial or minimize. He doesn't minimize. He's 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 sad and sorrowful for what happened. You can participate in his sorrow like like he doesn't shun you when when uh, when you're honest about what happened and that they're not shameful, dirty, disgusting um, unforgiven, unforgiven people, but right. that they're child of God, image of God, people of God, and that's their identity. And he says, if you're in Christ, that you're you're the righteousness of God in Second Corinthians, and that there is no more shame. That Jesus took the shame, and he even says that on the cross he bore our shame, like he was right. the shame taker. And then, you know, a lot of people feel guilt, and so the person that there is, they are not guilty for being a victim. Right. They are guilty for how they simply responded to it, and there's forgiveness for that. And so, yeah, if you if you took what happened to you and you spun out and went all hypersexual, you need forgiveness for that, and yeah. you have it. And um, or if you, you know other sinful responses, and then the anger and bitterness is that one of the things that people we discuss forgiveness and the difficulty of forgiveness, not because we want to do some type of simplistic forgiveness thing like oh you just forgive <laughs> and forget, but like saying hey right. let's put it on the table and start thinking about it because you were forgiven of cosmic treason, 
and and maybe the miracle would happen that God would work in your heart to forgive the person that did the treason against you also. Yeah. And we're not saying, hey, go forgive. We're saying, hey, ask God to make this a possibility um, to free you from the bitterness because bitterness just eats people from the inside. It does. And, so, right. uh, and then despair of just saying, hey, he, he rose from the dead. He's making all things new. And it, it, you, you will not be completely redeemed in this life. But there should be inbreakings of redemption and goodness in this life because God is good and faithful. Uh, but you can you can bank in the future that it will be all good. It will be all new, and it's not a, inappropriate to um, to to live for the future in a good way and say, "Hey, it's going to be okay." And uh, it's easy to know if you know, like, if you're close to the finish line, and we're all close because you know life is but a vapor. That if you're running a marathon and you're only a mile out, you're like, "I can do this." I can, yeah. it hurts, and I'm, you know, you know what happens when you run a marathon, you start, like, crapping down your leg, and you gotta pee, and, like, <laughs> yeah. but you're like, I can do this, there's a mile left, and there's a finish line, and that is goodness, and I'm done, and right. that's what life is, and so saying, hey, there's a finish line, not in a, not in a dark way, but saying in a good way, like, and so that's, I want, I want Christians to be able to kind of get that connection, and for the non-Christians in there, um, I just want to give them the opportunity to hear the hope, and say, hey, you you know, and, and not like a cheesy, like, Jesus is the answer, but, like, for real. Like, right. I get the pain. I've, I've listened to it. I understand it. And karma, I love the fact you brought karma sucks. I mean, car, <laughs> karma pretty much looks at any of the victims and says, you deserved it. Exactly. I mean, how karma's from hell. Yeah. I mean, that's just horrible news. It just says, well, there's no hope except try a little bit better. And the reason it happened to you is because you deserved it. And then just doing better, I mean, that's useless. Yeah. I mean... Because you still got the burden from the past of all the stuff you did. And so being able to tell non-Christians, hey, man, there's hope. And, exactly. and women, there's hope. Um, and, and unpacking that for them. So, And I know you, you're trying to wrap up, and here I go. With kind of <laughs> launching, okay, but, man. but just the, the opportunity to have the good news is um, pro- to proclaim the good news um, is, is a privilege. And so thank you very much for taking the time and even inviting me to do this. I really, I really appreciate it's it and been, respect what you're doing. It's been my pleasure, man. We'll close out the show with a, uh, a band from here at Mars Hill, uh, Red Letter, with the song uh, Psalm 139, which talks about the motivation of the heart and realizing our, our motivations, that this is a heart thing. And Thank you all for listening. Again, the book is Rid of My Disgrace. Find it on Amazon and uh, to click away. Thanks again for listening, and until next time...
going to add this little blurb to the end of the podcast here today. To thank God for guys like Justin Holcomb, because I'll be honest with you, I was a little rattled by doing this interview, by covering this material. And what's cool is as I've got into the book, it's really opened me up and it's really shining the light of grace on on these kind of really difficult issues. Um, Bad stuff happening to good or innocent people, right? Um, He took a little time after the after the interview to, to spend with me because he could tell that I was rattled and shaken and I told him that you know I have a diff- I have a hard time with this this topic and uh, so he spent a little time with me and I, I thank God for guys like him right because I that's why this music resonates with my soul because I so felt that disgrace I so felt that being unforgiven I so felt that um, all I've felt all I've known right that those lyrics um my heart condition i've been there and i thank god for guys like justin that i could open the door of my heart to a dude like him and to to other men like pastor Kerry michaels like um rick and Thiessen and dan hazen at ac3 like uh listening to Pastor Mark Driscoll who, you know, started Marcel Church and um, James Noriega Leo Schultz and these men who had a great impact on me when I had the courage to open that, that door to my stony, jacked up heart, right? So that's why I believe in this book and I, and I pray that you, you read it, you get it um, Ministry leaders, you too I mean, especially. Because here's another thing I felt that's in that song, Unforgiven 2. Should I open this door of shame and disgusting, nasty part of my history to you? Should I open it for you? Because I've been asked a bunch of times before if I'd been sexually abused or molested or whatever, uh, and, and I just lied about it. And, and listen, even if you haven't been sexually abused, you're just dealing with the, the shame or the disgrace of, of being sexually addicted or believing the lie of, of a jacked up sexual ethic and you have all these secrets in the closet and you're living under the weight of all of that, all of that disgrace. Having someone you can trust, approaching someone, and in your heart and in your mind, you're thinking, um, should I open this door to this nastiness to you? What I've felt, what I've known, sick and tired, I stand alone. Could you be there, cops? I'm the one who waits for you, or are you unforgiven? Too, that that is a deep cry of the heart of some very trust broken people like like myself or are you unforgiven too that's the big question we're asking right disgrace and if there's anything I can encourage you in in this show is to reach out and stop looking at others and being filled with fear 
I, I want to encourage you that there are Justin Holcombs out there, right? But more importantly, it's being on your knees in prayer and asking God to fill you with the Holy Spirit. Asking, receiving the invitation of God to His side, to loving Him, to, you know, this metaphor of being born again is that. It's kicking aside the disgrace and reaching for grace. And, and listen, I don't want to sound like a book salesman here, but I really encourage you to get this book. Not because I want to sell you a book, not because I'm a book salesman, but because there is news here that you need to read. You need to, it's like a reporter, all right? I'm not a salesman, I'm, I'm a reporter. Showing you the gospel, the, the gospel of, of grace in this area. If you've been wounded in this area, I'm encouraging you, there is hope. And there are good people who can help you, who will come alongside. You don't have to live with this, this weight of disgrace. But Jesus loves you, God loves you, and there is freedom. There's freedom from sexual addiction. There's freedom from disgrace. Man, I, I love you guys, and I just I just pray that you get it. All right? My name is Russ Shaw. Um, my email address is russ at asi247.org. You can find me on Facebook. There is a, uh, a link on the website. Um, donations. If you could leave a, a donation to uh to the show to help keep this thing rolling again it's that treasure principle it's moving and and counting where we put our money as a lot where our heart is right so again that donating to the show is a great uh a great way to push back the darkness and in, in other people's lives as well as your own trusting that that's real and true and that there is a ripple effect that goes beyond just this world, right? John Wesley, I love this, a quote by John Wesley. Um, I judge all things only by the price they shall gain in eternity. So, I love that quote. And again, uh, you can donate on the website, asi247.org, or you can send a check to, uh, check or whatever, to... Uh, Russ Shaw, uh, P.O. Box 13324, that's in Everett, Washington, 98206. So, if any of this is hitting you, if any of this is making a ripple effect or an impact on your heart or your soul, um, please let me know. It's Russ at ASI247.org. Thanks again for, for listening. Love you guys, I truly do. Until next time, Psalm 139. Search my heart, O Lord. Find my ways, see my ways. Lead me in the way of everlasting. Love that. Until next time, here's Red Letter, Psalm 139. Bye. Oh,
Just 